Hey, my friends, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to episode 52. You guys, I am so excited about today's episode. I'm so excited about today's guest, Ron Huxley. We recorded this episode actually a few weeks ago, and Ron is incredible. You guys are going to absolutely love him. He's just full of like so much compassion and wisdom and grace and life experience. He's been a therapist for over 30 years, and I've actually listened to this episode twice now since I got it back from editing, and I've taken a page notes. There's just so many great nuggets in this episode that Ron shares with us. So I want to encourage you, if you can, and you're not driving, pull out a piece of paper, grab a pen and take some notes. Let me read Ron's bio and then I'll dig in a little bit more about the episode. But Ron is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 32 years experience in the mental health field. His specialty is creating practical tools for individuals and families in adoptions and trauma-informed care. Ron is the author of the book, Love and Limits, Achieving a Balance in Parenting, and the founder of traumatoolbox.com and familyhealer.tv media. You guys, in the show notes, there'll be links to the traumatoolbox.com and familyhealer.tv, as well as Ron's info if you want to get in touch with him. He's been doing this for over 32 years. I really think it's safe to say he's a trauma expert, right? I don't know who else to label trauma expert, if not somebody who's been in the trenches helping people heal from trauma for so many years. I know the word trauma can feel a bit complicated. And I don't know about you, but I kind of have a complex relationship with the word trauma. At times I'm like, oh my gosh, I've endured such trauma. And other times I'm like, minimize it. Like, oh, I have no trauma because I compare myself to people who have gone through like super traumatic things. So I want us all to just take a deep breath and to just acknowledge that no matter what we've been through, whether it be big T trauma or little t traumas in life that we all endure, trauma affects us. Trauma has this effect on our psyche, on our emotions, even on our spirits. And spiritually, it affects us and it affects our body as well. And so in today's episode with Ron, Ron really digs in and gives us kind of a 30,000 foot view of how trauma affects us. And more importantly, how we can find healing and hope no matter what trauma we've endured. Okay, and I got to tell you a funny story. About halfway through the, the podcast episode, Ron talks about soma or somatic healing, which means soma means body. And what somatic healing means is it's a way of looking at the brain and the nervous system and how we can find healing there. Well, as Ron's talking about somatic healing, he brought it up three different times. And every time I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Do I Google it? Do I pull out my phone? How am I going to look away from the screen and not make it obvious that... I'm Googling it because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was talking about in front of Ron, right? So all these things are like wrestling through my head. And then finally, the third time he said it, I was like, Ron, what is somatic healing? And so he was gracious and we laughed. And so he explained that to me. So if you're like me and you're like, what the heck is somatic healing? That's what it was. It's the brain and the nervous system and how we can find healing there. If you're like, Danny, I know what somatic healing is. Well, good. Way to go. <laughs> Brownie points for having a thesaurus in your brain. I did not. Also in the show notes, there's a link if you're not already receiving weekly emails from me and you'd like updates on episodes and other encouragement, go ahead and uh, click through that link and add your email address. I'd love to become email buddies with you. And don't forget to check out the show notes again for the resources that Ron has for us. You guys, I'm so excited you're here. No matter what you are walking through, I want you to know that you're not alone and that there really is more healing to come in your life. God bless you guys and enjoy the episode. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times. 
especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. Actually, every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. I am stoked. I'm really excited. I am excited. Okay, Ron, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited you said yes. You have no idea. You guys, I know I just did Ron's intro and his bio and all of that, but I was praying this morning. I was doing some research on Ron. And honestly, Ron, you're kind of a living legend in our area as a therapist goes. (laughs) It makes my head all swollen and big, yeah. (laughs) I know, careful. You're not fitting in the screen. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I was doing some research and... I was diving in your website and I've gone through your website and I've, you know, I know you have that. Uh, what is that website? Familyhealer.tv. Is that right? Familyhealer.tv. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you guys, right. I'll put familyhealer.tv. familyhealer.tv. I'll put a link to it in the show notes and, and all that. But I was like, man, Ron's got some juice. Like he's got some experience and just some wisdom. And so anyways, I'm super grateful you came on. And I thought before we dive into the content, and I know we're going to talk about different healing modalities. We talked about EMDR. We'll talk about the post-traumatic growth, which we had talked about a couple of weeks ago that just mm-hmm. lit me up. Cause that just, that gives us such hope. Yep. Like we don't have to just live exhausted by the trauma that we've lived through big T big traumas and little T's everyday traumas, right. That control us and, and all of that. But I just thought, man, yep. tell us yep. a little bit about mm-hmm. you. Who's Ron? How did you get into this profession. I mean, it's your vocation, it's your calling, but how did that all come about? Well, I've been in the business 30 years and I am a licensed marriage family therapist here on the Central Coast. But I guess this kind of profession is just sort of what I was wired to do because I've always been one of those people that people want to talk to about things, right? Tell their stories to, or want to share, or for some reason come over and want to vent about a problem or something in their life. And I didn't really clue into it early on. It just seems natural now in hindsight that this is the kind of profession that I would go into with marriage and family therapy and coaching. And because that's sort of what I guess God programmed in me to be Uh, from Enneagram standpoint, I'm a three. So I'm an achiever with a little four wing, just enough, want to be unique enough and creative enough to make that um, make my way. So, yeah, I just been who I am all along the way. Really, God has sort of groomed me through the course of actions. I started off working as a director of a hotline in Fresno, California, where I would work with parents who were in crisis. So I got a chance to start writing curriculum for that, for the trainers, for the volunteers that would come and training them and overseeing it. From there, I just sort of launched into my field of coaching and and counseling throughout the way. But each step of the way, God has sort of led me. I was working in a group practice as a therapist, just newly licensed. And I was the only non-PhD on staff at the time. Oh my gosh, how intimidating. 
Yeah, it was intimidating. And I was trying to build my caseload, of course. So I got a lot of hand-me-downs from the PhDs who were, um, who didn't want to work with the adopted children from Korea and China and Russia. And so I was hungry and had a family to feed and needed to build my caseload. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll take them. So I've had a long history of working with adopted children and families as a result of all that, which really now I translate into I've been working in the field of trauma for all these 30 years, whether it was parents in crisis or adopted children and their families, whatever I've focused on, on the surface, the underlying issue is really trauma. And so I've really been pouring my heart into trauma-informed practices and principles over the last 10 years. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so today I do a lot, even the familyheater.tv, which is really a free resource. We can get into that more later, but it's a trauma-informed courses that people can take. So that's the whole point of it, that people go on there and learn trauma-informed principles. I love that. Well, because the reality is, I mean, we've all been through some sort of trauma and some people have been through big T trauma, child abuse, right? you know, even a marriage mm-hmm. betrayal, big major car accident, a natural disaster, right. some, you know, a major addiction. Yeah. And all. So we can label those big T traumas, but the little traumas too. Yeah, they, exactly. They add up and they really affect our body. And I was browsing through your website and you mentioned one of my favorite mm-hmm. authors, Bessel van der Kolk, about how the body keeps the score. And yeah. I think he's so informed this genre and this healing with, and I think he just articulated yeah. what people have been saying for 30, 40, 50 years about trauma being lodged in our body as well. And, you know, when we talked a yeah. couple of weeks ago, you mentioned how it's not just our minds that are affected. It's not just our spirits that are affected, exactly. spiritually, but it's also our bodies. And how do you put all those together? And sometimes it's a messy process. And sometimes I know in my own healing journey, I get so far and then I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm, I did something wrong. I'm missing some component, right? Because something was triggered in me or, or whatever. But that's part of the grace for the process, right? Has that kind of been your experience yeah. where it's one layer at a time and you get a little healing and then things come up yeah. and then you can find more healing and, and all of that? Oh, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, the Bessel van der Kolk has really validated what we were experiencing in that our work in the field of trauma has not been very responsive to the traditional mental health practices which are largely cognitive-based. we That's what we call top-down models, where we oh. use thoughts to and cognitions. And because much of the trauma is actually stored and lodged in the body. And the body is really what Freud would have called our subconscious mind. Our body is a mind of its own. It keeps all record of all the wrongs and uses that to build a hierarchy of protection for us. So Bessel sort of opened the idea that if you're not getting any healing from traditional cognitive-based talk therapy, it's not because something's wrong with you. It's because of how trauma is stored in our body. And it's really opened up a whole new field of ideas and interventions on what to do to bring healing that are more what we call now bottom-up from a body or somatic level towards the brain. And putting the two together, top down, bottom up, are really the key. And then for those of us who are faith-based, the third essential agreement ingredient in that 
is the spirit. Top down, bottom up, and then spirit led. My gosh, you just articulated the last 12 years of my life in like 30 seconds. Thank you. (laughs) That was amazing. I could have saved you so much time and energy. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Ron. I feel healed already. (laughs) That's awesome. Better late than never. Right. Well, hey, that's to all of us. Better late than never. In this inner healing journey, it's such a personal one. And I think that sometimes when we have trauma or things, and let's be real, in the Christian culture, even some people have the mind that shouldn't I be over this by now? Shouldn't Jesus have healed me by now? Like, am I even a Christian? Mm -hmm. Second guessing my healing because someone else got healed. It can be very maddening, especially in the Christian culture, because but I feel a shift coming too, but I do feel this tension. Yes. Right? And I buy into the lie all the time too. Like, should I really be struggling with this? Come on, Danny. And then it's like, whoa, you know, and my paradigm is grace and compassion. And Ron, I love this concept of top down and bottom up. Can you explain that a little bit more for us? So most of the principles of trauma therapy have been based traditionally on cognitive based or top down principles, meaning it's talk therapy and it's using our cognitive thoughts to try to mediate what really is unconscious or subconscious process stored within the body. Amen. So tell me, I mean, when we talked about this post-traumatic growth a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about coming on the podcast, that really lit me up. But what do you see? So someone who's coming to the table, they're like, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with rage. Maybe I have an addiction. Maybe I don't. I'm a little bit burnt out. I feel lost. I'm confused. Life didn't turn out the way it should have, could have, would have. Even Mm -hmm. if we have the big house, the white picket fence, the great career, the wife and 2.5 kids, whatever. Okay. What are some of these modalities that we can go down? Obviously there's cognitive therapy, which I'm a huge proponent of. I'm actually a huge proponent of all of these Mm -hmm. therapies. I have a sweatshirt. Me too. I have a sweatshirt. My friend, one of my dear friends sent it to me for my birthday. says, Jesus plus therapy, like Jesus and therapy, right? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, and so let's talk about post-traumatic growth. Can you mention EMDR? Can we dive into all of that different modalities? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's jump in the deep end, right? Okay. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. So post-traumatic growth, I'll start there. We're very familiar with post-traumatic stress and the diagnosis of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder which, as you mentioned earlier, we have sort of two ways of defining trauma, the big T and the little t trauma. The big T would fit into the PTSD category, violent crime or witnessing the death of somebody or going through some, you know, big, huge, typically a single event. But then we also have little t trauma, which the accumulation of little stressors and pains and sufferings over time add up to what would fit the criteria of PTSD, but kind of the bowling frog uh, metaphor in that you put a uh, frog into hot water, it just jumps right back out. But if you put it in the water and slowly heat it up, the frog will boil to death. And that's what happens to us is that little traumas over time that we think through our religious ideals or just our own human nature or messages from childhood, we just need to suck it up and we just need to get through it and push our body, even though it's tired and complaining. And over time, we break down, and that would fit the criteria of PTSD. But what we haven't been very familiar with understanding is, what is post-traumatic growth? 
Back in the 1990s, they started researching how certain people would go through traumatic events. And it first started with widowers. How did certain widowers, older men and women, who were more seemed to be very resilient after the death of their spouse, how were they able to be more resilient when, in the face of others who had gone through similar life situations, were not? And that has continued on in the research of how do some of us become more resilient and balance back, which is really what the term resilient means, balancing back. And post-traumatic growth and the research behind it, which is a real scientific base of research, helps us understand how to grow through post-traumatic events, little or big. Oh, I love that. I love that. So we now realize that even though we don't want to have to go through traumatic situations, traumatic situations have the blessing of breaking our assumptive worlds which is what we assume to be right and wrong, which might actually be based on faulty thoughts and ideas. Maybe it actually did, those beliefs and ideas did work in the circumstance or situation we were in. But once those situations no longer are present, maybe as a result of the traumatic event, like I, you know, my whole life's about a career and then my company goes belly up or I get fired or I get sick and I can no longer do my career then who am I? Right? Suddenly, I have to come out, create a new set of assumptions that can work in my life. And it, the crisis event helps us, for, for, for better or worse, to break those old assumptions about who we are and how we live in the world. So now we have to develop new assumptions that might actually be based on more healthy principles of life and living that we weren't living before. For as a personal story, my father died about four years ago. And when he died, it made me think as a dad and a grandfather and as a husband, as a son, what it means to be a man and what it means to how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And so it gave me a new sense of priority and what was really important to me. But that wouldn't have come to me had I not gone through that terrible situation. Mm. That makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. And I'm sorry for your loss. And what a great man that you get to lose. He was a great man, yeah. When you were talking about resiliency, because I know so many people Mm -hmm. struggle with, I'm just feeling stuck. I'm not feeling the resiliency and I'm just stuck. And so I wanted to just mention that in times in my life when I felt stuck and I felt I don't have any resiliency right now, I believe that that was primarily because I hadn't dealt with the things that were little T traumas or even big T traumas that were lodged in my Mm -hmm. heart and in my mind and my body. And once I gave myself permission to, okay, I'm going to actually deal with this thing to find some freedom, to find the resiliency, you know, Victor Frankl, man's search for meaning stuff. Mm -hmm. Then it's like the world opened up and the clouds parted a bit and I saw some hope again and, and all that. So I think that some of us struggle when we're living in the moment of stuckness, it's really hard to even like, I can see the resiliency for you, but I just feel like I missed the boat, Ron. (laughs) Like it's too late. I'm too far gone. (laughs) These things are too big of issues, Mm -hmm. but this is what you're talking about with the post-traumatic. Once you do the work and you start to find some healing, you start to see some growth, healthy growth, right. And to find hope again. And so resiliency, as I said before, literally means to bounce back. So most of us want to go back to our original level of functioning. 
if we were happy and then something happened and now we're sad, we want to go back to being happy again, right? If we lost our job, we want our job back. We want those things that we had before that we assumed and attributed to our personal quality of life and joy. But that's limiting in that because post-traumatic growth says we're not just going to bounce back, we're going to bounce forward. So resiliency is a great quality and we want to go be able to move on, but post-traumatic growth says let's move forward, which means we aren't going to go back to what we had before, what we're going to have. Even if we have a job again, we want to be able to do that job in a different way. So the same assumptions about our identity that was connected to that job that got us in trouble from before can be shifted and changed. We need to shift and change. So there is a transformative element to this so that we can become something better than we were before. I love how you talked about transformed and moving forward, because when things happen, we think the rugs pulled out from under me. I'm never going to have a rug again, let alone how am I going to look at this thing that's been awful or horrible? I'm never going to have that thing back again. Or, you know, if you're grieving death Uh or anything like that, but to find the hope that if you go through the process of doing the work, whatever Uh that is for you, that there's actually forward movement and that there's more, there's an expanded life an evolved life. I mean, I don't know what words, I don't want to over Christianize it, but you Mm -hmm. know, those curses turn into blessings somehow that doesn't minimize what it was. It doesn't bring your dad back. Right. But through your experience and all of that, you were able to open your heart, right. Figure out who you wanted to be the next 30 years, 40 years of your life kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, it gives him, it, it's in some situations you can't get the rug back, right? The rug won't ever come back. So my dad will never come back. But it does, it does help me create ideas of how to have intimate relationships and the quality of those and the times that I choose to spend in those that maybe I excuse because I needed to work or I need to do this, or I need to do that. And now I decide, well, maybe that's not as important as I thought it was. So post-traumatic growth and moving forward has certain new assumptions. And some of those in the research it provides new opportunities that we didn't know that were available to us. It also helps us have greater relationships and to have greater compassion. So if we've gone through a death of a spouse, a death of a father, a loss of a job, an illness, we have greater compassion for other people who have gone through those similar situations and people who suffer in general, which we may we may have had some compassion, but now we have even greater compassion. We also begin to realize a certain deeper level of our own strength because we realize, hey, I went through a really hard thing. And so a lot of people talk about themselves as a survivor. And there's an important quality to that because it helps them says, if I can live through this, I can live through anything. And I can be maybe an inspiration and motivation to other people to encourage them that they can get through some hard things too. So you see this, this added exponential impact uh, moving forward. And then, of course, probably for me, the most important domain that comes out of post-traumatic growth is that we have a greater appreciation for the life that we have and a deeper spiritual awareness. A lot of people may not have known God or believed in God, but they go through a crisis and suddenly now they're sort of like, hmm, maybe there is a God and maybe what's happened, I kind of see his hand helping me through this situation and it's, he's the only thing. Mm. that's going to help me. You know, we've all gone through this pandemic and we've all gone through trauma. And even without it, going through life is difficult. How you do it without Jesus, I don't even know how people, it's even possible, right? 
sense of their own spiritual life, how they can manage the external challenges of living. So if, if I could paint a picture, I'm very visual. So if you have an event, maybe it's little T traumas, or maybe it's a big T trauma that you know is holding you back. And then the other side, mm-hmm. so one island is that, and the other island is post-traumatic growth. What's mm-hmm. the bridge? How do you get to post-traumatic growth, right? How do you get there? And maybe this is like a great segue into EMDR therapy. And I know there's cognitive therapy and all of that, but mm-hmm. if we can hold on to the fact that there is growth to be had and that we, if we can buy into the truth that there is hope for all of us, doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done or what's been done to us, there is hope. There's hope for deeper connection with our creator, a deeper connection with our true self, an intimacy with each other and friendships and relationships and mm-hmm. all of that. But how do you get there? And how do you believe again? Like, how do you have the tenacity to walk over the bridge to get and then wake up and be like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm actually sitting in post-traumatic growth. Maybe I'm actually there and I can actually help some people. Yeah. There's a certain percentage of people based on a number of different factors that are genetically more resilient. There's also environmental things that can happen in people's lives. And the genetic thing is kind of like you have it or you don't have it, right? But we also know that there's a good percentage, a high percentage of environmental factors, things that can shift or change around us that can influence us. So learning education, different experiences, all of these things can be part of that process. But if someone comes to me and they are saying, I'm in this middle of this trauma, I want to get to a place of post-traumatic growth and resiliency of bouncing forward. That may not be their words, but you know they come to me because they're in pain and they want to stop the pain, right? They're suffering and They want to stop suffering or they see the patterns in their life that have been going on and they want to stop them. So from that, I have three basic healing strategies that I'll use for people. The first healing strategy is we have to calm down the brain and body. This is where EMDR work like Bessel van der Kolk and other somatic based therapists will help us understand that if we can't get the brain and body to calm down, then it's going to hijack all our creative thinking and problem-solving skills. So no matter what you try to do, it's going to sabotage you. But it's doing that not because your body is your enemy. It's doing it because your body, your nervous system, really what we're talking about, wants to protect you. So anytime you go through a difficult situation in life, your body records that memory as an important priority because it has a high emotional intensity connected to it. Therefore, it moves to the top of the list of things that we need to watch out for. If it's pleasurable, then we want to do more of those things. If it's painful, then we want to avoid those things in the future. So your body will now look for those things. And that's why we become triggered, right? Because situations come up that we're sometimes out of our conscious awareness that our body will notice and say, oh, that looks like this. It smells like that. It feels like that. It may not be, right? Often isn't, but our body triggers. So we have to first understand those triggers and be able to calm down the brain and body using some somatic-based interventions. And there are a lot of different ways to get there, but that's where we first start. Once we do that, then we can move to our second healing strategy, which is to build up coping skills, executive skills, functioning skills. Usually we try to go there first, like just give me some skills for coping. But the problem is if you haven't calmed down the triggers You're just going to sabotage and ruin all those things that make you more frustrated, right? So for Christians, what we'll tend to do is we'll say, well, I'll read my Bible more, which is good, but I'm reading the Bible without a change on the inside. So I have knowledge, but I don't have experience and I'm not actually applying it in a way that changes my assumptions. And so then 
I just feel more frustrated. Maybe I get angry at God. So we want to be able to do in the sequential order, and they have overlap. And then the third strategy is to deepen relationships. Because if we can't calm down the brain and body and we can't build up new skills, then our relationships are going to suffer. 100%. I love this. I love how you broke it down to three healing strategies. And for those of us that aren't up on the terminology, what is somatic-based healing? What does somatic mean? I should know this and I'm probably going to sound like an idiot. No, I'm glad you asked because (laughs) a lot of you are probably scratching their head thinking, what? So somatic means body. Soma is a word for body. Oh, got it. Okay. So body healing. Not just the underwear store, right? Soma is body. And so it's body-based interventions, looking at the nervous system and understanding the brain and the nervous system and how it operates and how it reacts. And so once we have a greater understanding of that from that level, and mechanically, it's very helpful because oftentimes we over-spiritualize or we create stories in our mind about things that aren't really even there. And it's really just your body reacting in a certain way. What we think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not whatever. I'm not enough. And those reinforcing beliefs actually create more triggers. It's a vicious cycle. With that. Well, and so, something so happened. Just with the body is helpful. I love that. So we feel unworthy because something in our life told us we were unworthy. And then we replayed that story mm-hmm. 2,700 times. And then we created, yeah. you know, we did things that just only proved more and more that we're unworthy. I remember I used to struggle. I used to think about when I'd have a conversation like 10 years ago, I would have never been brave enough to ask you to even come on the podcast. Cause I would have been like, I don't want to waste his time. I don't want to take yeah. away any breathing air away from Ron. He gets all the oxygen. I'll just sit over here and you know, whatever, die, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So three healing strategies. So the body and then building up new skills, which I had assume you get that through. We can kind of break it down a little bit, but get that through more cognitive and then deepening relationships, which is what it's all about, about us doing this life together yeah. and healing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 518, reconciling to God, reconciling to ourselves and to one another. Exactly. I believe that's a beautiful paradigm. So the somatic based healing would be EMDR. Can you give me like a one minute explanation of what EMDR therapy is and who could even benefit? Sure, sure. So EMDR is a great technique, highly researched, is what we call it evidence-based practice, meaning it has a lot of actual research studies. But we know in practicality, it also is very powerful for people with no side negative benefits. So that's always a plus. But EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. It's a mouthful. Eye movements, desensitization, and reprocessing. And basically what that means, if you break it down, is that We use eye movements, generally left to right, guided sort of left to right movements to help us desensitize our lower, our negative reactions to our triggers. So desensitization is we are desensitizing ourselves or we are lowering that negative charge that causes us to trigger that calming down the brain and body. And then reprocessing has sort of that cognitive element of being able to see things in a new perspective. And so it's using eye movements and there's other ways to do it. Really, it's Francine Shapiro who created um, an EMDR, wishes she had never called it that because it sort of limits the technique to eye movements only. It's really bilateral stimulation. It's utilizing the left and right hemispheres of the brain in alternating sequence. So we're left, right, left, right, left, right. And that firing starts bringing integration between both hemispheres of the brain. 
which trauma disrupts. In doing so, that gets the brain to calm down, not work under a threat perspective, and then allows us to see things from a more safer sense of clarity, which is the reprocessing. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. I'm a huge mm-hmm. proponent of it. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I went through EMDR with Hannah Warren, who you actually, I think you introduced me to her. So I went through EMDR and it was fantastic. And Jim, my therapist, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. been pushing me to do EMDR gently and kindly and on my own <laughs> for years and years. And I always thought it was like, no, Jim, it sounds woohoo and whatever. But I yeah, am so grateful I went through it because what it does, you guys, this is my own experience. It's a layman's terms, but there was things in my life that I was just, I was hugging. It was like these traumas or these issues and they were close to me and they could trigger me at any time and just still kind of affected me. And what it did is it gave me some distance so that they were still there. I didn't forget those memories, mm-hmm. but I can look at them and go, wow, yeah, that did happen. Okay. Well, what do you want for lunch? It's not as triggering. It gave me some distance Mm -hmm. from those things so that then I could make decisions with how I wanted to view them, how I wanted to deal with them. And I mean, I've had such healing through EMDR. And I guess my question, Ron, would be who would be a good can't like anybody should go to EMDR or I mean, I kind of think everybody should like I think (laughs) really helpful. (laughs) Well, I think everybody should probably uh, needs therapy. Let's put it that way. Whether or not EMDR is the indicated treatment or not. Really would depend on the individual. The good news is that in my experience of doing of years of doing EMDR, no one ever walks away feeling worse from the mm. situation. I mean, you can do it worse if you don't do it according to the right protocols and you're not trained. But people either feel pretty relaxed and peaceful at the end of it, or they feel some real sense of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so both are really good outcomes from doing EMDR. It's very person-led. Like, so I'm not telling you what to think, you're thinking. And so I'm Maybe have you recalling some aspect of a traumatic event, a thought or a word or a picture or a memory, some kind, and while doing the eye movements. And in doing that, you may have a new thought or a new idea comes up. Because of the spirit that's within us, the brain wants to move towards health. Mm -hmm. So it's looking for opportunities for growth and change to heal itself. It's just stuck. And trauma tends to keep us stuck. So if we can help the brain by calming down and then reprocessing some thoughts and feelings positively or negatively, that then allows us to break free and to move and that moving forward. But I use EMDR a lot for not just trauma survivors, but also for people with dealing with anxiety. Because anxiety really does mediate that fight or flight threat response within the brain, oftentimes causing it to result in panic attacks and anxiety, debilitating anxiety, and host of physical illnesses, then I will use EMDR to help with the anxiety as well. So anyone who's probably dealing with some severe anxiety that's not being mediated through some other treatment or medication or something else might want to consider EMDR as well. I love that. Thank you. That's amazing. And that's just part of the bridge that gets you from whatever the issues Mm -hmm. are, whatever the traumas are, to hopefully post-traumatic growth, right? Which we're all on the journey right. with Holy Spirit, Lord, help us. Let these things that we've gone through or we've experienced, let them be, you know, a launching pad to find more joy, more hope, more peace, all mm-hmm. of that. So more purpose. That's amazing. In the beginning, you talked about when you did that hotline in Fresno, and I was thinking about how God kind of groomed you in action. Those were your phrases. And I think yeah. that's kind of our healing too. Like God is grooming us 
through action. And there's no shame. There's no harm in reaching out for help and getting help and learning new Mm -hmm. modalities and knowing that God has people that can bring more healing into our heart and mind so we can breathe and not have trauma and or be controlled by the trauma and all of that. So that's amazing. Ron, I could talk to you for hours, but I want to be, I want to honor your time. I would enjoy it too. This is amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Is there any final thoughts you have or is there anything else you want to say that you think could help our listeners? Well, I'm very sensitive to the fact that, you know, we're talking about things, but when you're stuck in the middle of something, you're in a lot of pain uh, from whatever physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, whatever might be going on due to the hurts in our life. And as you said before, correctly, we all have hurts. We all have our suffering in some different way. I'm really aware that all this just feel overwhelming. Like, well, that may be true for other people, or I've tried that. It hasn't really helped me. But I think keeping perspective that this is a process, it's a path towards your healing. You don't necessarily arrive at a place, but over time you gain maybe some new skills and you create some momentum. And there is definitely a, a point of timing. I mean, I've worked with people and sometimes you just can't seem to make a lot of progress. Maybe they take a break for a few months, maybe even a year, come back, and they're ready for change. What changed between now and the last time? I don't know. But they were willing to keep on that journey, even though they feel like they weren't making a lot of progress. And then at one point, it's like, okay, I'm ready. So just you know, stick with it, whatever place somebody might be in. Realize that this is a path. It's a process. If you're not there yet, you will be yeah. you know, if you stick with it. Amen. I love that. Thank you for your sensitivity and how you said it's a process. One of the things that I appreciate about you is you have such this disarming way about you. And I think that's why you probably went into this field because you are easy to talk to. I can tell you're so not judgmental. You're just very compassionate and you just hold space for people. So I just, I really appreciate that. And you guys, I want you to know, like there are therapists out there that are so trustworthy and so amazing. And I know some people have had bad experiences find another one. (laughs) Like there's literally, right. Exactly. (laughs) Just try again. Like, Hey, you know, it's the same thing. There's good people out there. You guys that want to help and that have literally our best interest at mind when they want to help and all of that. And so Ron, I just thank you. You're amazing. You're a gift. I know you're a gift to many in my community and in my little sphere. So I thank you for who you are. So Ron, how can people follow you, get in touch with you if they want to, that sort of thing. So I'm pretty easy to find online. My personal website with my blog and my private practice is ronhuxley.com. Real simple. People are also welcome to check out familyhealer.tv. That's where each month I put different courses out that have things on parenting, anxiety, trauma-informed care that people can take for free. That's just some a few people choose to donate to that on a monthly basis or a one time. That helps me run the costs and helps me complete the labor of love that it is for me. So, but it's completely free. And, or if people really want to dive deep into trauma-informed care, particularly if you work for an organization and really feel like you need more information on that, you can go to a website I have, which is also free called traumatoolbox.com. That's awesome. And you guys, I'll put a link to all of it in the show notes as well. And obviously you can email me if you need to get in touch with Ron or if you have any other questions, but I'll put links to all of what Ron just talked about in the show notes so you can click through. Well, gosh, Ron, I'm so grateful. I definitely want to have you on again. You're amazing. I would so love it. that'd be amazing. Could you pray for our listeners before we hang up? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so Lord, I just, uh, I thank you for having a heart of healing and for opening up insights and revelation to new strategies and ways to find healing in our body, mind, and spirit. And I just bless every spirit of every person who is listening in on this podcast now and in the future. That even now that they will just have a supernatural experience, just a, a great a quickening of their their heart and mind, that they will feel new, renewed energy to reach out and try for healing, to talk to a therapist, to a friend, to a pastor, to a rabbi, to a spiritual leader, a coach, or to find help that is available to them and that help will be there for them. I thank you for Danny and what she is doing with this podcast. Lord God, blessing so many people. Lord, I pray it just reaches an even wider audience. We just thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh, or triggered you, hey, that's growth. Please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.